Patience, frugality, sacrifice. When you boil it down, what do those three things have in common? Those are choices. There it is. The first career 50-point game for the dominant Joel Embiid. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hoops and Cards. I am Gary, your host, and today we get the thrill of bringing back one of my favorites in the hobby, Jake from 90s B-Ball Cards, to talk about inserts, investing during this season, greats from the 90s, and just really some of the, the cool things to look for when you think about the great players who some are nearing Hall of Fame status, some are legends and goats, others maybe just as a cool insert, and you want to know, should I buy it? So let's get after it. Hey everybody, it is a thrill for me to welcome back a, uh, a second time guest for us, a repeat offender to uh, help us navigate this whole world of 90s basketball cards. You guys know I often talk about what's recent, but Jake from 90s basketball cards, dude, it is great to have you back with us, man. Hey, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I'm always happy to jump on and talk about 90s. What, what's better than that, right? Yeah. You have like favorite players that you collect from the 90s? Are you all Jordan or what's your what's your deal? No. So uh, my main PC is Penny Hardaway, um, okay. you know, and it's funny part of the, and I could go into the whole story, but part of the reason why is because my brother was a Jordan guy, right. Who wasn't oh. in the nineties. So uh, I had to go with something different. So Penny's my main guy. And then I get into Iverson and KG behind Penny. And then after that, when I want to, you know, really, uh, you know, just be a, uh, go down a rabbit trail, I get into Vince Carter, Michael Finley, Lamar Odom, Baron Davis, um yeah so a little bit guys of everything dunk like guys that dunk incredible. yeah you know and it's funny you say that because uh you know i do like mugsy Bogue cards but uh you know maybe if he was more like spud webb i would collect him too who knows right right <laughs> well um i yeah it's funny that you mentioned penny because i just saw him in the news today i don't know if you, he's a coach and yeah uh, it, it was good to see him just be real with the media and be like dude don't ask me stupid questions <laughs> like yeah <laughs> I, I yeah. love when guys are just honest and raw with you, you know? Um, yeah. It you know, and it's funny video. because he, he's, he's right. I could see it from both, both sides, but yeah, it's like the warriors have a bunch of injuries or people dogging them for going on a cold streak all of a sudden, you know, like it happens. And uh, you know, especially in college basketball, I mean, if you go to injuries in college basketball, it's not like <laughs> the pros are pros, you know? Injuries, yeah. injuries happen and you expect it, but also like the guys behind them are also professional athletes. Sometimes you get some thin college teams and the guys behind them, you know, as Dickie V likes to say, they're diaper dandies and they're really green. Uh, and that replacement, it, it shows through sometimes. So yeah, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta give these guys some slack. Sometimes. Ooh, yeah, I think like what was it? Find Lance Stevenson off the street. And put right. Him in, you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, it's like, what was the coach's name from, I think, Oklahoma State, where he got in on the press conference and he was like, come after me. I'm a man. I'm yeah, 40. Gundy. Don't go after the Gundy. kids. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's like the same thing. It's like, look, you know, don't go after these 17, 18-year-old kids. Yeah. They are what they are. You know, they're getting better. So. Uh, well, I, I feel bad that a lot of like modern collectors and people knew, like, they don't know Penny Hardaway and how awesome he was. And 
I'll, I'll use that to segue. Like I looking at nineties cards. In fact, I uh, was at flea market and card show and picked up like a bunch of boxes of nineties cards. Oh yeah. Digging through those for a nice shack or a nice Chris Weber rookie. I did find a few pennies, a few penny nice. hardaways, but, but my deal with nineties cards, Jake, is that I, I stumble onto greatness almost by accident. Like I found a couple of nice Kobe Bryant inserts that I, that nice. PSA has PSA's had them for like 10 months, but I think <laughs> if they, if they nine or 10, I did well, I would love to hear from you. Like we get questions all the time. What would be some good cards uh, or good tips beyond the, Hey, just get a, get a good centered Michael Jordan card. Like what, what things in the nineties. And then specifically, like maybe, you know, a number of insert sets that uh, you know, if you're brand new to this, you know, and you, you love, you, you want to collect some of those guys, what would you look for? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so it's interesting you say that because I have been thinking about different video ideas for my channel. And one mm. of the videos I'm going to be putting out, which, you know, folks who are are smart enough to be watching your, or listening to your podcast will probably get a little bit of a jump start on this, but I'm going to put out a list of the top 10 iconic 90s insert sets and this is obviously my opinion this is not a definitive list and i'm not going to sit there and try to hype up stuff so i can you know sell and make a fortune and you know move to puerto rico like logan paul but um (laughs) some of the things that i always say to look for uh is the the things that are rare and scarce and the nice thing in the 90s especially the mid 90s moving forward is they started serial numbering a lot of cards So, you know, when I'm talking to one of my friends that might have uncovered their childhood collection or something like that, I obviously say, you know, look for the stars, look for the Kobe's and the Jordans and those guys. But assuming that, you know, you don't have all Jordans and Kobe's, the other thing to look for is if a card is serial numbered or if it looks unique in a certain way, right? So a lot of die cuts and stuff like that. Uh, A lot of the inserts, not all of them, but a lot of them really did jump out. So you Mm -hmm. notice this one looks different. There's something special about this one. So if it's serial numbered, that's a good sign. And if it looks special, that's another good sign. Obviously the star players um, are big one. So, you know, if you're like you said, you know, if you're at a flea market and you see just a random assortment of basketball cards and you pick them up and you're just thumbing through them, those are the things to look for. If you know nothing about it or very little about nineties, you know, just, just uh, keep an eye out for something that looks looks shiny, looks fun, looks unique, and flip it over in the back and see maybe it's got a serial number also, and then uh, you might have struck gold. Yeah. Well, and I I was, this is around the same time, like when we talked, what, nine months ago, the basketball card market was just starting to drop. And yep. I, I started to look for inserts, especially Jordan and Kobe, um, a little bit of Shaq because I thought, hey, these are goats. They'll they'll keep some value, or they might be rare, or they might be gradable. You know, um, mm-hmm. I saw the pop counts of all the the newer guys just diluting the value, and saying, I, I want to get in on. You know, I, as a we're both collectors and investors, right? I don't want to just buy something that's cool and then watch it decline it in, in value. Although some sure. of you are taking that risk, right? Um, I how can I say this? I, I stumbled into the, the, some of the Jordans that were like um, the Fleer metal, yep, you know, and some were like black diamond or red, you know, yep. red shiny. Like I was drawn to whatever was shiny and looked cool. And what I wasn't really aware of is 
maybe there's some great rookies, you know, other names I should be digging for. Like I, if I didn't have any advice or a knowledge of their, what they what they might be worth, I would just lean towards Sean Kemp because he's one of my favorite mm. dudes from the nineties. I love his cards. So I kind of, I can't, I kind of PC his cards when I find them just, just yep. because I like him, but I don't, they're not worth nearly as much as some of the other guys that you might find. Sure. The, yeah. Well, the interesting thing too. Uh, so over the last couple of years, I think a lot of us, myself, absolutely included in this, have had to try to kind of change our perspectives in, in some of our mode of operation. Um, so one of the things that I had never really done, you know, up until maybe a year or two ago is grade much. I still don't grade much, but I think that if we're looking to, you know, get cards and then move them into move up the ladder, so to speak, and move into other cards for our PC, I think a great option for some of those cards is to see if they're in good enough shape to send off for grading. Not everything is worthy of grading, uh, in my opinion, you know, especially like you said, you know, waiting for PSA to get your cards back, you know, some of those windows uh to get it back sooner or get pretty pricey so then you know it really becomes kind of a cost benefit analysis but you know when you mention players like sean kemper even folks like henny iverson kg shack some of those guys that aren't jordan and kobe and lebron uh mm-hmm. don't get a lot of cards graded and you know looking at the pop count educating yourself on you know certain insert sets jambalaya for example they're getting graded a lot of times, but there's a lot of other insert sets that um, those pop counts are really low for those players. And if you like Sean Kemp cards and you find a Patrick Ewing and you say this Patrick Ewing looks really sharp, really clean, you know, I think it might have a chance to get a nine or a 10, um, you know, which for a nineties card, a nine or a 10 is very good. Eights were, you know, not uncommon right out of the pack. So um, you get a nine or 10, you're winning. And then, you know, maybe there's only two or three of Patrick Ewing and some Patrick Ewing collector really wants a graded copy that's clean. And now you can use that to go and get a Sean Kemp that you really liked. Um, You know, so that's one of the things that I've tried doing, but also looking at players that aren't just Jordan and Kobe, because those ones historically haven't gotten graded as frequently. Okay. Well, and haven't, how long have you been at this, like focus on basketball cards, maybe give us like a quick, you know, how you started, how it's going. Yeah, sure. So I started collecting in 1995, uh, you know, grew up in a family where my, my older brother collected baseball. Uh, and I got into it because, uh, there was an Olympia sports that had opened up near where we were spending our summer and you could get a free pack of 95, 96 NBA hoops. And, uh, I went in there as often as I could to get as many packs as I could. Uh, so that, and coupled with, you know, my, enjoyment of watching basketball and you know all the exciting players in the 90s i just gravitated more towards basketball than baseball like my brother had um yeah so we've been doing it since 95 and you know my collecting's taken different iterations you know during different times i've been more active and immersed you know in college i would get home and i would you know maybe rip a box or two each summer but wasn't as focused on you know okay we're going to get the penny cards I want. You know, I was just kind of ripping and seeing what I could pull and, and having some fun with it. So, um, you know, it's, it's ebbed and it's flowed in different ways, but uh, you know, been pretty consistent since, since 95 to now. And now it's, you know, it's uh, as Jeremy Lee from sports cards lives likes to say it's a lifestyle, right? <laughs> yeah. The card life, right? That's right. great. Very cool. Well, uh, reason I asked that a little bit for background for our listeners and for me, because I was going to, I was going to ask you, um, a, a question that came from one of our listeners, I believe, was like, 
knowing what players from the nineties or what, what inserts, what sets might be in focus or might become more popular over the next six to 12 months. Often mm-hmm. when you hear about something, it's already past the, it's already too know, late. the spike. Yeah. Um, but we try to predict like, Hey, you know, in, in a few months, there's a special coming out about the Lakers with magic mm. and Kareem, or there's this Netflix mini series about Kobe, the black Mamba, right? There's, mm-hmm. There's some things we can look ahead and say, this guy's, or, or Dirk is going to get inducted to the hall of fame. You know, uh, I think what Paul Pierce too, but, but like, I'm curious what guys from the nineties do you think might be on our radar in the next, you know, whatever year? Sure. You know, and the interesting thing, you mentioned the documentaries that I've noticed. So since the last dance, right, we all saw that, you know, a lot of things went into that burst in uh, prices and and popularity. And the last dance was definitely part of it. Um, But Mm -hmm. since then, a lot of people have tried to say, okay, the next documentary is going to cause the same kind of flurry and and activity. And what I've seen is people anticipate that. So let's say the, the black Mamba documentary, like you were talking about, people know that that's coming. So they anticipate this is going to cause a big run on Kobe cards and they get ahead of that. Right. So that actual assumption that there's going to be a run causes a run ahead of that. And that's been the peak. So I, on com C every so often I'll grab, you know, a five or $10 card and I'll see if I can you know turn it into a seven or, you know, $12 card. Mm-hmm. And then that helps me get other cards on com C. So I was able to get some magic Johnson cards a little bit ahead of when they talked about the documentaries coming. And then I noticed all of a sudden those magic Johnson cards started doubling in price. And, you know, I, I already had them out there for sale. People bought them and now they've kind of tamped down because it was almost like that rush to the puck right? People mm-hmm. knew that the puck was going to be out there. People rushed to get to the puck and now the puck's there and it's, it's settled down a little bit and we'll see when the documentary drops, if it causes another rush, but um, it's almost been like uh, the, the, the run up is the speculation, right? It's speculation on speculation almost. So, you know, to your point, by the time you've heard about it, it's already too late. And by the time you've heard about hearing about it, it might already be too late. You have to be, you know, even ahead of that sometimes. So it's, it's interesting to try to time stuff like that. Um, So what I try to do when I'm thinking about this um, is I try to focus on players that I enjoyed that I don't necessarily hear people talking about a lot. Right. Um, Because maybe and this is speculation, but maybe eventually they'll get their due right? They'll get their, uh, their flowers, right? So I think about, you know, Vince Carter with the Raptors. I think about Tracy McGrady when he was, you know, having MVP seasons with the yeah. Magic. Um, you know, guys like that, uh, you don't hear talked about as much as the Kobe's and the Iversons and the KG's or, you know, I mean, Paul Pierce is an interesting one because I think one of the things that helps certain players is having a fan base in a certain city behind them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Paul Pierce is definitely like a Boston Celtics legend, but it doesn't seem like when you talk to Boston Celtics fans that he's the first guy they mention. Uh, it doesn't seem no. like he's the second or third guy that he, they mention. Um, and if you look at those championship teams, um, you know, you could argue whether or not he was the MVP or, you know, the, the biggest driver of those championships, you know, KG might get a little more of that credit. So I think, I think a guy like Paul Pierce is an interesting one because I don't know if he has that core base of, of you know, really fervent fans. Whereas you look at a, uh, at a Penny, right? Mm-hmm. People that like Penny 
love Penny. Um, and they don't care who else knows about it. They love them, right? And um, I definitely count myself among those. So, um, you know, I think Sean Kemp is a guy that a lot of people that are, you know, digging up their old cards are starting to really enjoy. Um, you know, I mean, he had so many cool cards in the 90s and so many cool pictures, uh, incredible dunks, uh, really fun jerseys. I think it's a really cool thing with the Seattle Supersonics, you know, being a defunct team that maybe they'll come back in, in the future. Um, I think there's a lot of really cool nostalgia there. And I mean, that's the, uh, that's the other thing too, is we're, we're dealing in nostalgia uh, and what kind of hits that, that soft spot in people. Uh, it can be different for, for a lot of folks, maybe Muggsy Bogues or Larry Johnson. Um, yeah. You know, at some point I, I imagine all of these players are going to get a YouTube series uh, in, and it just depends on how popular it becomes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, when I go through those boxes, I remember how much I loved watching Alonzo morning. And his intensity right. in the game. Love Kevin Garnett. I like guys that were like um, intense, like emotional, fiery. Uh, like I oh, said, yeah. Sean Kemp. Uh, Alonzo sometimes I'll go was incredible. Who was who's that? Oh, I know Morning. Alonzo. I was I mean, he was an MVP he was candidate. On the, all the NBA seventy five team, right? Like I, I mean, that. and and if we think about that, right? Again, we can go off on tangents on these different players mm-hmm. all all day. Yeah, Alonzo Morning at the golden era of centers when everybody that was a prominent center was seven feet plus, right? Seven feet was like the minimum height requirement to yeah. play in the golden era. He was not, he was about six ten. He yeah. was an undersized center dominating matchups because physically he was superior. He was stronger than a lot of guys. He had that ferocity in the way that he played. He knew how to use his body. But I mean, like I said, he was an MVP candidate. If, if people look up the MVP, MVP voting, if I can get the word out, um, <laughs> throughout the 90s, you'll be surprised some of the names that are on those lists. And Alonzo Mourning was at the top a number of times because he wasn't only a defensive and a rebounding big man. He could score very well. Oh, um, you know, so, it, and you think about, okay, maybe the numbers don't look gaudy, but you think about on a night-by-night basis, he's going up against Hakeem, Shaq, Patrick Ewing, the Ken Matumbo, you yeah. know, the list goes on and on. Rick Smith's of just great centers that he had to go and contend against. Um, and he was dominating a lot of matchups uh, or at least staying, you know, even with those all time greats. So uh, I think his his playing days uh, shouldn't be overlooked because he was incredible. I thought Jalen was going to get a no look time, but Monroe passed it away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, all right. So I'm, I go to a card shop or to the flea market or to a show and the dealer at the table has a section where it's 
NBA players from the 90s, late 80s, and he's got like little little tabs that say, you know, Patrick Ewing, Carl Malone, John Stockton, and you've got this bunch of cards for each guy, Barkley, you know, and you're going through those. The they usually try to put the Jordan, the Kobe, you know, those guys out yep. front, or they have their own whole section of them. My here's my question: like, you're I'm I'm assuming you've been there hundreds of times, like digging through the the Jordans or through the Kobe's, um, and and sometimes they'll say on the box like any of these Jordans is a dollar, yep, and or you know any of these Jordans is two dollar, whatever. Um, there may be times when you're going through and you're like, you know, right away when you see that card, that's not a $2 card. That's sure. a 50 or that's a, Hey, it might be too raw, but it's 400 graded. <laughs> like, right. Yep. I'm curious. Like if you're going through, it doesn't have to be Kobe or Jordan, but if you're going through a, a, a guy's stash, what are some of the names, whether it's a brand or a style of insert where you're like, Ooh, like, stop and set that aside don't make it too obvious that you're going to go on ebay and look at the comps like just buy the card yeah yeah you, you know and uh i have a great example when i was at national i love bargain bins right i yeah i think that there's a ton of juice there i think but that's also i love treasure hunting right so uh, sean kemp is a perfect example so the, i found a booth that had a bunch of bargain bins a dollar a piece and i found uh so we, you know here's one of the ones you can look for 96 97 flare showcase it's the first year flare showcase so they had the flare flare brand they upgraded it so to speak to flare showcase but also 96 97 remember it's kobe's rookie year um so yeah. a lot of those sets are going to be more sought after even for the players that aren't named kobe bryant um so i found a bunch of the parallel essentially that's called row zero Okay. Uh, you know, and I grabbed a bunch of those Sean Kemp, uh, Sharif Abdul Rahim, who's a rookie, mm-hmm. um, you know, so uh, Bryant Reeves, a bunch of those guys. But I knew because I'm looking at them that they're row zeros. So they're the most rare of all those cards. And I know that it's a prominent year. So, you know, picking those up for a buck, uh, the Sean Kemp is a 10 to $20 card. The Sharif Abdul Rahim is a 5 to $10 card, right? And I, I didn't know that just to your point at the time, I just knew these aren't dollar cards. Right. So then (laughs) I could go and pick them up. I don't have to, you know, and sometimes having that knowledge and knowing this isn't a dollar and being able to pick it up. And then later on, when you're not at the booth, go and check the comps and see exactly, you know, how good of a buy it was. Um, no, that can get dangerous because sometimes you're like, I know this isn't a dollar card. And then you look it up and go, Oh, I guess it is actually a dollar card. Um, they mass printed or yeah. Right, exactly. Or, oh, I didn't notice this thing on the corner or stuff like that. You know, so you do need to have a, a keen eye for that stuff. But that's also where kind of like the research and education come in um, to, to build that muscle memory, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. You know, so parallels are a big thing in the 90s. If you can identify a parallel and you know it's rare. Um, another one, for example, 96, 97, again, Fleer Metal. We all know about the 97, 98 uh, Metal Universe PMGs, right? They look bright red or bright green. Those stand out. You know them. A lot of other people know them. So they're putting those in their showcase and they're highlighting them. But the year before, 96, 97 Fleer Metal, they had Precious Metals, which was basically the precursor of the PMGs. They're a lot more subtle in the way that they look, where basically the background is just silver. So they take a lot of the colors that were in that and they just mat it out. 
uh, that that's the only indicator. So sometimes if you're not looking at the card and have the base card to compare to it, you might miss it. And there's a lot of times that dealers do. So if you're looking through dollar bins, uh, you know, you're probably not going to stumble upon like the Jordan and the Kobe and the Iverson of those, but you might stumble upon, you know, the, the lesser known guys, the Dikembe Mutombos and, and stuff like that um, in those, in those dollar bins and stuff. Those are ones that it really takes a keen eye to see them regularly um, and, and know what you're looking for and know, okay, is this precious metal or is this the base? Because it is very subtle. Um, and that set's started to gain a lot more notoriety because people recognize it as the precursor to PMGs. Uh, you know, so like the Penny Hardaway one just sold for $800 ungraded. Holy cow, raw? Raw, yeah. Oh my gosh. Whereas in August, that was a $300 card. You know, so... As people start to get to know those cards, they start to, you know, take off, um, you know, and again, being ahead of that curve is uh, sometimes pretty tricky because you never know, you know, I think, I think it was the big short that uh, I don't remember who said it, but somebody said being early, being too early and being wrong are the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so if you're sitting on something and say, I know this is going to be big, it might take 20 years before it's big, you know? And then you get all that capital tied up if that's what you're looking to do. Now, if you enjoy it, if you enjoy the 95, 96 Fleer Ultra gold medallions and you want to get 20 copies of the Jordan and you love that card, it doesn't matter if that card goes up or not. You're going to enjoy it. And then if you have 20 copies and it does go up, then maybe you decide, I only need five and you can move some of them. So save it for the right time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You've been doing this for like 16, 17 years. Like what, what are you collecting now? Or what, what is like, cause you know, some of us is just our first year back into it or some people jumping in for the first time. What is uh, something that after 15 years you still love chasing or you still love collecting? Yeah, you know, nostalgia is the number one thing for me in collecting. So the things that I collect are still the things that I wanted to collect when I was a kid. Maybe I didn't have the, the discretionary funds or the time to go and, and try to seek trades and stuff like that. So like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, one of my biggest pickups of the year in, in one of my prior videos that I talked about uh, was the 9798 uh, EX2001 Jambalaya Penny. Okay. That, that's a card that I had seen pictures of in the Beckett. I had seen maybe, you know, different players in card shops and stuff like that. I just dreamt of having that penny. I, you know, I, I could picture what it would look like in my hand and in my case and all that kind of stuff. I finally got one. Now that's a card that I've known about since 1997, you know, wow. so huh. you're talking 20 years down the road, more than that. And I finally was able to obtain it. And those, that's the type of stuff that I'm, I'm trying to get more of is are those things that really hit that sweet spot of nostalgia for me because I remember how much I wanted it or, you know, how hard it was to find as a kid. It, and that's the other thing too, is some of the stuff with eBay and Instagram and all these other avenues to see and find more cards. Some of those cards aren't necessarily rare in their print run, but we didn't have access to them, you know, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now we do. Um, you know, so like I, I bring up one with some other player collectors, 99, 2000 Fleer Tradition, pretty mundane set. They had a retail exclusive parallel that was one per pack okay. uh, called a round ball collection. Not rare cards. Incredibly hard to find, though. It took me 
I would think, I think it was two years of like really seeking out the penny copy of that. It's a $5 card. It's not expensive. Um, and I was talking to another friend who's a Glenn Rice collector. He said he was searching for close to 10 years for the Glenn Rice because they just never show oh. up. And a lot of people have them and they're like, this is nothing. It's one per pack. But to a player collector, it's everything. Um, you know, and like he said, he's like, if somebody put that up on eBay and they were asking $25, I know it's not worth it. I would have, I would have grabbed it for $25. I don't care. I need it. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's, that's the interesting thing is, is sometimes it, there's really no rhyme or reason. It's just player collectors are, you know, we're, we're a crazy bunch that want what we want. <laughs> I think deep down, you know. Probably more than anyone. Hey, everybody. I want to thank those of you who recently joined Hoops Plus. That is our community that wants a little bit extra, more content every week when it comes to basketball card investing and collecting. Also, regular prizes. I mean, we just announced our December and January prizes, a rated rookie package for our winner from Massachusetts, and an Anthony Simons rookie package for our winner from uh, Washington State. So, yeah, if you would like to find out more information or to join and subscribe to Hoops Plus, check out anchor.fm forward slash hoops and cards forward slash subscribe. Great way to support our show. Awesome way to get more content. Check it out. Simons, doing his best Dane Lillard impersonation. Jake, thank you so much for all all your time, your encouragement to all collectors and investors, basketball cards. Like, how can we find you if we want to, you know, hear more? You mentioned the the one coming up with your, the, the video that you're working on with more. Um, yeah, the iconic inserts. Yes, the iconic inserts. <laughs> Yeah, so for sure, uh, lots of places you can find me. Uh, YouTube, I'm putting out videos. You know, try to do it once a week. Sometimes I do a little more. Sometimes I, I try not to take breaks unless I get sick. So okay. sometimes that's inevitable. Uh, but so so 90s b-ball cards on YouTube. 90s underscore b-ball underscore cards. But if you just throw it all in without the underscores, I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, same name on Instagram. Very active on Instagram. I try to put a post every day or so. Um, you know, sometimes sharing my nostalgia and my stories, sometimes sharing some information about the set, sometimes just here's something I want to post. Sometimes it's, hey, here's my son doing something funny. So right. uh, all kinds of stuff on there. Uh, also on Twitter, not as active on Twitter, but, you know, same name there. And uh, Facebook I'm on, but I messed up my screen name on Facebook and it's 90 B-Ball Cards. Uh, so if you, if you look for 90s b-ball cards, I don't know if I'll pop up or not. Uh, but Facebook right. is, uh, you know, uh, I think one that people don't look for me as often on Facebook. But uh, And then TikTok also. I'm on TikTok. Okay, wow. I joke in my videos about uh, I try to get on TikTok once a week or so. But uh, sometimes I don't I don't get on there for a month or so. But I have yet to it cross out. that bridge, but maybe I'll try it. And I'll, I'll, guys, I'll put all the links to Jake's 90s basketball cards in the uh, show notes here for today. But... Thank you so much, dude. 17 years. Keep at it. That's awesome. Uh, For sure. Yeah. Love, love the energy that you bring to the hobby. And I like, I'm listening to you and thinking about our audience, but I'm also taking notes about like cards I'm going to go after and and (laughs) check check on for eBay after this. So dude, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Always.
Well, hey, everybody, that'll do it for today's episode of Hoops and Cards. Loved having Jake back with us. It gave me a lot to think about when it comes to at least my hunt for Sean Kemp, let alone Jordan and Kobe inserts. But hope that was helpful to you. Love to have any follow-up questions. Any follow-up questions you've got at Hoops and Cards at Instagram. Or you can email us directly, hoopsandcardspodcast at gmail.com. Hey, don't forget, Hoops Plus is a great way to add more content, basketball, card collecting, and investing. Support our show. Uh, There's more information in today's show notes, as well as how to find Jake and Jake's b-ball cards, 90s b-ball cards. Hey, he mentioned an upcoming YouTube video where he goes down, runs down the top 10 uh, awesome inserts that he's looking for. And, you know, if, if you're sitting here waiting through the NBA season, you know, there's there's a long time till the playoffs. Maybe you're missing your your favorite players hurt. Kawhi Leonard, Lonzo Ball. Maybe he's even gone rogue like Ben Simmons. Well, fortunately, guys, we do have YouTube where not only can you get great content from Jake about the 90s basketball card inserts, but but you can relive some of some of those Ben Simmons moments uh, from from back when he used to play in the NBA. Ben Simmons is no closer to playing for the Philadelphia 76ers now than he was at the start of the season. Boy, Simmons, uncontested, had a layup, but he leaves it for Thibault, who makes something out of it and is headed to the line. Well, but that's when you know that the game is in your head. That's a dunk for Ben Simmons right there. You got it, and I know you got it to Thibault, you got the free throws, but Ben Simmons, you got to shoot that shot, be confident. I need to know what happened to Ben. I told no, you. No, I, I want to hear it from Wendy. Ben Simmons played like trash in the Eastern Conference semifinal series against the Atlanta Hawks. Offensively. Yeah. Never defensively. He always shows up defensively. Offensively, he played like trash. He was scared. He was a scared puppy out there, okay? And you're coming across like you're blaming everybody but yourself. <laughs>